Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community, with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast, and I'm joined today once again by my good friend, Mike Semmel from Semmel Consulting. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Carl. It's great to be with you. So you have some super cool programs that I want to talk about, but uh, let's, let's get back to what we were just talking about before I push the record button, which is the changing landscape. Like, forget everything else that happened in 2020. What's going on with security and what, what do I need to do as an IT consultant? Please keep your answer less than seven hours. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. But you know, the, the simplest thing is that I think as an MSP, when I was an MSP, we were you know, really focused on protecting our clients and providing our services and things. And uh, it, it took a while to figure out that we really better protect ourselves first. So by doing that, there was a, uh, certainly a ripple effect that protected the clients, but it also, look, we looked at other things and we decided you know, that there were some clients maybe we didn't wanna do business with. And we were going through the uh, conversion from break fix to managed services. And somehow we had this mentality that a managed service client should sign a contract. But if it was just a break fix service call, then there was no need for that until we found out the hard way that there was. So, you know, <laughs> through the school of hard knocks, I learned, you know, you do everything with a contract, you limit your exposure, you limit your liability. Um, a big thing is, is having insurance because you don't want to pay for things out of pocket and even compliance with regulations, uh, enters into your, your risk as an MSP and your liability. So, well, and even, even in the last five years, the role of liability insurance, ransomware and compliance have, have changed our industry. You know, and it's just, it's shocking how fast it switched because when I was, uh, when I ran an MSP, I sold my last one three years ago. Yeah, you know, we kind of worried about ransomware, but it wasn't universal. It wasn't everywhere. And um, to be honest, it was pretty easy to mitigate. <laughs> but today uh, it's absolutely everywhere and you can lose your business, you know? Well, you can, and Carl, we look at our industry, but I also look at the legal industry, and in the legal industry, the plaintiff's attorney, so a plaintiff's attorney is the one that advertises on television. If you're in a car accident or if you've, right. you know, worked near asbestos or any of those things, we want to, you know, you should call us now. When they go to their conferences, they are having breakout sessions at their conferences. Like we would have a breakout session as an MSP, at an MSP conference on, you know, securing data and ransomware and things like that. They're going to uh, breakout sessions on how to sue after ransomware attacks and wow. how to get clients that have been the, become the victim of cyber breaches and things like that. And if you're the MSP, they're going to go after you because you're the one that is responsible for securing the network. And the question becomes, you know, what is your responsibility to like educate your clients and provide services? And then MSPs always ask me, well, what if I tell my client to do something and they don't do it? Can I get in trouble? And 
technically the answer might be no, but if the lawyer for your client makes you look like a fool on the stand, then you could get in trouble for something like that. And particularly if you advertised on your website or in your marketing materials, or even in your agreements, you know, we're going to install critical patches within 30 days and they can find systems where that hasn't happened. Right. And you've got a real problem. Well, I mean, so I know you know about the <clears throat> Kyle Ardoin, who's the secretary of state of Louisiana and basically looking at MSPs and saying, we're going to regulate you guys because you are not doing what you say you're going to do. You come in and you say, we're going to manage your system. We're going to take control. We're going to make everything beautiful. And then we get ransomware. It costs millions of dollars and there's not even a BDR. Like what the hell does taking care of mean to you? <laughs> so, you know, right. those people actually are causing us to have to be interested in what legislation is coming down the road. We don't have any choice. Well, Carlin, there's a reality here that some of these things are being done for reasons, for good reasons, because there are issues where MSPs have not done things. As part of our consulting business, we work with MSPs who refer us to their clients. And more than once, they have run like a rapid fire tools report and send it to me to evaluate as part of our risk analysis process. And I've called the MSP and said, hey, uh, have you read the report you sent me? And the owner will go, no, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? I go, well, let me send it to you. I literally send them back their same report. And I say, go to this page. And we, I met with an MSP about a week and a half ago, even with social distancing in place. And they were talking about the time that we did exactly that with them. And this, this is a good MSP business, very respected in the community. Their experience been around for a long time. And they sent us one of those reports and we said, hey, you know, you better take a look at this. We showed them on their own report that they sent to us that the servers at this client was missing over 100 critical patches. So the owner says, yeah, I got to check on this. I'll call you back. And he called me back a little while later and he was spitting bullets. He said he talked to the guy that's in charge of all of his internal MSP work, like the network scanning and the patches and updates, all that back end stuff to make sure the backups are working and everything. And he said the guy just decided on his own one day without talking to anybody that he didn't agree with what Microsoft considered to be a critical patch. So he stopped doing critical patches unless he thought they were critical by his standard. And all of their clients were missing 50 to 100 patches each on their servers. And they wow. had to scramble and fix that. And also, you know, put some pretty strict policies in their business. This was a senior guy who had been with them for a long time and just arbitrarily said that they weren't, you know, that they were going to do something different, which meant that they were out of sync with their contracts. So part of this is, you know, these tools that we talk about to evaluate client networks can also be used as good quality control tools within your MSP business. So, you know, if I was in Louisiana, knowing the quality control that we built into our processes when I was an MSP, I would not care that they were going to regulate us. I would say go for it because it'll filter out the bad guys and leave those of us that are good. But, you know, this is a, a state uh, bureaucrat, basically, who decides maybe he wants headlines. Maybe he's doing this to, you know, from a consumer protection standpoint. But the bottom line is 
that he's doing it for a reason. There are headlines, there are lawsuits that are involving MSPs and the people that are reading these want to go after the MSPs and things like insurance policy renewals are getting a lot more expensive for MSPs because right. of this stuff. Well, that one MSP lost a lawsuit for $1.7 million. I mean, I've, when I, had I know that they've lost it yet. I know that they've been sued, but has the suit actually ended? Yes. So, so the, the judge decided, or they, the jury decided that they lost. Okay. And so the, the interesting thing is that I've always had an umbrella policy of a million dollars. You used to think a million is a lot of money, yeah, right? Yeah, that used to be a lot of money. Uh, uh, but I, I, I can't even today, I can't afford the 700000 So, you know, it's like, not only do you have to have even better insurance, but it just goes back to the basics. You have to do what you say you're doing. And there's so many people in this industry that I think they're well-intentioned, but they don't have processes and procedures. They don't have a checklist. They don't, they don't restore from backup every month. They can't say absolutely and definitively in writing, every machine is patched, every machine is fixed. You know, there's always gonna be a new ransomware and a new way for the bad guys to get in. But if you haven't taken care of the problems from last year and the year before, that's on you. So, you know, it's well, got to have processes and procedures. Right. And, and the other thing, and we see this in the compliance world too, with HIPAA and other regulations, that when one little thing happens, they come in and look at everything. So don't think that, you know, just because you miss some patches on, on the systems, that that's the only thing that's going to be looked at. That lawsuit, uh, which was against Involta, said that Involta, in their contract, said that they were going to have quarterly reviews with the client, and in all of 2018 and 2019, they didn't do it. So their client fell victim to a phishing attack, and the uh, allegation against the MSP was that they didn't uh, properly educate the client about phishing. And then through the lawsuit, it said, but you were also supposed to install antivirus on all the computers. There were some where it was missing and that you were supposed to do quarterly business reviews and you didn't do them in all of 2018 and 2019. So, you know, in the big scheme of things, you think that maybe there are throwaway items. Well, nobody's going to care about the business reviews, but if you're the opponent, if you're the lawyer for that client, and you're asking the MSP owner who's on the stand in a courtroom, so did you do these things? Oh, no, we didn't do them. Well, your contract says you were supposed to do them. That opens everything else up just because you didn't do something easy like a quarterly business review. Well, and a lot of people have moved to managed services, managed services in quotations, uh, as a as a invoicing model and not as a preventive maintenance focused model of actually delivering service. And there's a huge difference. And so, you know, in some ways I welcome a certain level of legislation as long as you're on the right side of the, uh, the law, so to speak. You know, if you're doing what you promised that you're going to do, that's great. But a lot of people are selling managed services and delivering break fix. Oh, I agree. 
And the real question that I have, I was the owner of an MSP business and it was my job. The, the same way we now look at uh, networks from a zero trust perspective, you know, the old Ronald Reagan line, trust but verify, but you can't do that in IT anymore. You have to assume that there's that you can't trust anything and you better have tools that analyze that stuff. And there are good tools out there. My frustration with a lot of MSPs that I know is that they're not using them for maintaining their own internal quality control. And part of that too is making sure that the clients are the right clients and that they're doing the things that are their responsibility. So when we, we don't work with anybody and we didn't when we were an MSP that we didn't sign a contract with. And in the contract, even if it was a break fix uh, incident and we tried to get away from those, we, we tapered those down and tried to turn all those folks into managed service clients and then eventually stopped doing break fix. But even when we were doing that, there was a section of that agreement that said your responsibilities and then our responsibilities. And some of the things were, you know, you had to give us access to stuff. When we do network scans now, we send the client a what to expect document that said you have to have all your computers turned on on the network with things like WMI enabled and, and all these, you know, technical things that need to be done. Uh, and we had a client come back to us and say, we have like 500 computers and you only saw 125. And we said, yeah, and here are the emails that went back and forth with your tech guy saying, why are we only seeing 125? And he said, because we, we haven't deployed the settings you require. And we said, you know, do you want to do that? And he said, no, just scan the 125. So, you know, this is a paper trail that helped us with the management of a big client. This is like a hundred million dollar a year organization we were working with. And we shared that information with their CEO who wasn't happy with his IT guy for telling us, go ahead anyway, we're not going to make those settings changes, but we had done our due diligence to try to get as many as possible. And we had started out with a what to expect document. I don't know that many people that do that. Right. So let me change gears a bit. You have a new, uh, I guess that's a membership program or a online subscription program. And I, I, started looking through it and I got to say the first thing I did was like, Oh, this NIST training sounds interesting. And I was blown away at how amazing and simple it was to say, look, if you follow these NIST requirements, then um, that's pretty good defense when it comes to HIPAA, FINRA, you know, all kinds of compliance, security audits, uh, insurance audits, because um, I've done a lot of work over the years, and it's like it never occurred to me, just go to NIST and get the, get these really cool requirements for absolutely nothing. Um, and then you know you do have to do the work and figure out how to actually measure things and to document what you're doing. But I was very impressed with that. Um, why don't you start by telling us how we access that? What's the uh, URL? Well, well, let, let's go back for a minute and talk about what NIST is. Uh, NIST is a U.S. federal agency, and it provides guidance. It's not a regulatory agency, so nobody, quote-unquote, has to comply with NIST, but if you implement their guidance, then you can apply that to a lot of compliance requirements. So NIST is a National Institute of Standards and Technologies, 
And what you're referring to is what we call our systems. And our systems include video training and templates and doc checklists and documents and uh, all sorts of things. And it really depends on, on which system you're in. So we have a NIST cybersecurity framework system. And these are all designed for MSPs. And that one actually has two purposes. One is to apply the NIST cybersecurity framework to your own business. The second is to align your services with it. And as, as you made the point, if you follow a U.S. government standard, so Carl, you and I are old guys in this industry. We could sit around and, and probably over a couple of beers, figure out what our managed service or managed security service program is going to look like and even get down to the nitty gritty of what products we would use. But then if some one of our clients had a breach and, and you know that, you know, hackers are good, they can get by even some of the best security out there. So the client has a breach, we get sued, or we have to go and, and participate in the investigation that they're going through. And somebody says, hey, Mike, how'd you come up with this? And I go, well, my friend Carl and I, you know, been in this business for a long time. We came up with the, all these things that we're going to do. And okay. we agreed that we're really smart. Yeah, and, and good looking too, <laughs> which is why, why we're doing this voice only, because we both have faces for radio. But... Now what happens if you answer that question, we followed the United States government's recommended standards for all businesses, for cybersecurity and all businesses, and here are the reports that we can show you that we did that consistently. So NIST is, it's not complicated. It has a lot of the things that every MSP would include in their cybersecurity services, like uh, doing risk analyses and, you know, getting inventories of equipment and not using software that's not supported anymore with patches and updates. So all that stuff's built in, but there are 98 controls in the NIST cybersecurity framework. Uh, they call them subcategories. So then the question becomes, how do you apply it? Well, in our system, first of all, we explain those. And I also explain based on experience where MSPs often overthink that process. They'll read something and go, oh my God, you know, we got to put a $50,000 SIM in. And I'll right. go, well, all you got to do is this. So that's all in the video training. But then we have checklists and templates, including a spreadsheet where basically you take the NIST cybersecurity framework and fill in the blanks, all the services, products, and tools that you have that will align with it. What you're going to do is you may find gaps with your services. And what that means is that if you don't have a tool that will detect, for example, anomalous activity in a network, then you have to go find a vendor or a product to build into your services. But here's what's nice about NIST. If you go and explain this to a business owner and say the U.S. federal government's put out this standard and the standard has these different controls in it and it will stand up to scrutiny. So if you have to comply with HIPAA and you're investigated, they that the other federal agency that enforces HIPAA recognized the NIST cybersecurity framework. So if you can prove that you complied with that, you're going to pass a HIPAA audit. There are other regulations, not uh, government regulations, but like PCI DSS for credit card security. If you apply the NIST cybersecurity framework, you will comply with that. So I call the NIST cybersecurity framework the Swiss Army knife of both cybersecurity and compliance because it's got everything in it that businesses need. The only exceptions 
to businesses in the United States that would have to comply with NIST, the NIST cybersecurity framework, are defense contractors, which have to comply with a different NIST framework that's got a few more controls, or federal agencies and some of the businesses that do business with them where they have to comply with a lot more. Like if you're going to work with the Department of Homeland Security, you've got to do more than what the NIST cybersecurity framework says. Right. But it is the best tool to universally apply. And, uh, you know, you look at these lawsuits and you look at the state of Louisiana. If you apply the NIST cybersecurity framework consistently, there's no way for them to say you did anything wrong. So, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the terms that's been in our industry for as long as I can remember is best practices, right? <laughs> this is a best practice that we change our passwords and make them at least eight characters, you know. Um, and by the way, that came from NIST originally. And, and what happens is that w this is sort of morphed over time and, and very frequently we look at the top 25% of businesses and say, well, whatever they're doing must be best practice. But that's not necessarily true at all because they could be just making a bunch of money and uh, not actually providing the services. They could be quite liable to being sued, but uh, you know they're making a bunch of money doing it. And so their, their practices may not be best at all. Well, it's even more than that because I, I said before that NIST itself is not a regulation but there are regulations. So the state of Ohio put a law in that said that if you implement the NIST cybersecurity framework consistently, that's what they call a safe harbor from litigation. So they talk about it. In New York State, the Department of Financial Services, of, which is a state agency that oversees banks, lenders, investment houses, and ins uh, insurance, they did not use the term, the NIST cybersecurity framework in their regulations. But if you look at the NIST cybersecurity framework, it breaks down into five basic functions, identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. Go read the New York state regulation, doesn't say NIST on it, but it says the first thing you do is identify. The second thing you do is protect. The third thing you do is detect it aligns perfectly. It's like the pieces of a puzzle all falling into place. That's what they used as their template. And we've seen other states copy the New York Department of Financial Services regulations. So I'll go back. It's the Swiss Army knife of cybersecurity and compliance. We also have systems that, are, that break down some of those sections. So we've got effective cybersecurity assessments for profit. And this is to teach MSPs how to do better assessments. And it's not that you don't have good tools, rapid fire tools and, and other tools that can gather great information for you, give you these technical reports, but an effective assessment translates it into the language of business so that a non-technical business owner or executive can make a decision. Uh, we have compliance for profit, which takes about 35 compliance requirements and think of it more like a, an encyclopedia where on a Friday you get a call that somebody wants to talk to you about uh, you know securing their information and it's a law firm or it's an accounting firm or they you know that they're healthcare so they have to comply with HIPAA you go into the compliance for profit system just look up that section 
watch like a 15 minute video, read a couple of articles that are in there. And you can walk in on Monday and sound like an authority in their business. So it, it's really a cool tool that I wish was around when I was an MSP. Right. <laughs> uh, we've also done uh, the, the NIST cybersecurity framework compliance for profit, HIPAA for profit, which again has two ways to apply it. One is to make your MSP business compliant. And the second is to deliver compliance services to healthcare organizations and the business that support them. So it's a whole library of tools for MSPs. It's self-paced. You get access to all of them for, for all of your company. And Rapid Fire Tools is selling these through their website for an entire subscription of $99 a month. The HIPAA product by itself has sold for $9.99 and the compliance for product $12.99 for profit. And then uh, the NIST is also $12.99, but for $99 a month, you can get the entire library through rapid fire tools. And so what's the uh, best address to go to subscribe to that or to, to, to check it out, whether you subscribe or not? You can go either to Mike Semel, M-I-K-E-S-E-M-E-L, Dot com and go through a couple of links, or you could literally go to Rapid Fire Tools website, look under services, and you'll see Semel Systems. You know, it's almost ironic. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a business, uh, and you know, when we do our first, you know, look see or, or evaluation of their systems, and I go through my 68 point checklist, one of the things we find is old. Uh, network detective reports. And it's amazing to look at them and then realize, wait a minute, somebody sold this report and then didn't remediate anything as far as I could tell. And we would literally show that to a prospect and say, so maybe it's a good idea you brought us in to look at what your IT guy's doing because he's not doing anything. And he knows he should be. I mean, you know, it's it, we're in this world where it's it's not that difficult to figure out what you need to do. It can be tedious to do it all, but that's what you're getting paid for. <laughs> well, and, and that's just a lost opportunity. And from an MSP standpoint, when I was an MSP, we, were, we didn't have rapid fire tools. That's how long ago it was. They didn't exist. We, we started using those when I opened the consulting firm and then they hired us to help them build their HIPAA products. And that's what started this long-term relationship. But we were getting, you know, thousand page Nessus reports and other reports like that. And I was having to sit there and rewrite them into an executive summary and then rewrite them into a, you know, patch management and all this stuff. And that's what rapid fire tools does for you. But one of the problems I've seen with MSPs, to your point, is that they'll run the reports and then give them to the client. And we never gave the reports to the client. We gave them the summary saying, hey, you got a lot of problems. And here's what they are. You've got systems that are missing patches. You've got, you know, antivirus not installed on everything. But we didn't give them those roadmap reports that showed them right where to go fix those things. We then gave them a proposal. And sometimes they said, hey, you know, why didn't you give us the reports? We want to know which systems it is. We said, well, that's, let's go back and look at our engagement letter. We said, we're going to give you a diagnosis. And it's the same thing. You go to a doctor and the doctor run some tests, has you come back in, doctor gives you the diagnosis and then says, here's the treatment plan we want to start. And if you follow the way a doctor works, 
you'll realize why you don't start the treatment plan, you know, right then and there in the office, because you're getting a diagnosis. And then from that, you decide what course of treatment you want. Right. If you follow that and you explain it properly up front where they're not expecting the roadmap, then you can give them a diagnosis and you're the only one that really knows where the problems are. Well, it's also uh, a bit like a project management uh, proposal. And you say, you know, if you want a proposal so that we will end up, you know, being able to bid the actual job, that's one price. If you want a proposal where we lay out every single thing that needs to be done so that you could take it to any shop in town, that's a very different price. <laughs> so. Alrighty. Well, sadly, we are out of time, but uh, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Any final tips for people other than they got to go to your site and uh, follow you? You've got some great stuff. Well, that, that and, you know, from an MSP standpoint, I, I was an MSP. I love MSPs. I love teaching MSPs. And I think, you know, as we started out in this conversation, MSPs are at risk right now. And you've got to do some things to protect yourself. That includes contracts, insurance, and compliance. Because if you're working, say, with healthcare clients and you're not compliant yourself, you're putting risk on them and yourself. And if you get sued like this MSP did that we were talking about, and you can't substantiate what you're doing, it, it's a huge problem. And there's even a question at that point, whether your insurance might cover you or not. Right. Very good. Well, Mike Semmel from Semmel Consulting, thanks for joining us. And thank you, this, Thank you, everybody. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.